Hello, this is Pastor Luke, and you are listening to the Living Hope Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Our mission is to grow disciples and multiply churches who will glorify God and transform communities. For more information about our church, please visit our website at livinghopehenderson.com. We live in interesting times, don't we? Um, So much has happened in the last several months, and it's hard to even think back to what life was like uh, before COVID hit. And then we had other things transpire, interpersonal relationship, racial issues, political issues, just a lot of things going on. Uh, During this time, uh, I'm thankful to be able to just share a little bit uh, with you. Uh, First, a little bit about the ministry that I'm involved with. I'm a plan giving advisor with MB Foundation for the last almost nine years. And uh, then we'll be sharing the morning message with you as well. Well, during this whole time of COVID, we've all learned to adjust. We've learned to modify, or we're trying to learn to modify, aren't we? And uh, we've also learned that word pivot. Now, many of you know about pivots, but we've learned about another type of pivot. And a pivot is learning to turn and to adjust and to modify different things. At the beginning of year, uh, or prior to even COVID setting in, at MB Foundation, we adopted a theme that was going to give direction for our year, and that was taking hold of real life. Uh, it's, It's a great verse because it gives us some directives as we move forward in our life. Basically, it gives us the directive to trust in God who will richly provide us with everything. It also identifies that we are to be rich in good works. We're to be willing to share. And also in doing this, as we give of ourselves, we experience joy. We take hold of that life. Our desire as we identified this verse as an organization was that we could come alongside people in churches, helping them to again trust in God and to also again see the joy that comes when people share. Well, when COVID hit, uh, we as an organization had a chance to put that verse into practice for ourselves. Um, And we could as an organization uh, identify and kind of hold on to resources with a clenched fist, or we could release them. And being your stewardship uh, arm of the conference, uh, we chose the latter. We chose to release. As God had blessed us, we wanted to bless other people. And uh, so we did various different things. I thought I would just highlight some of our responses to COVID uh, so that you could kind of be updated what your ministry has been doing. One of the things that we did was that we provided $340,000 of uh, resources as a borrower relief grant to our borrowers or to uh, churches who had borrowed funds or to pastors who had borrowed funds. That basically meant that we refunded them a month's worth of interest and we sent them a check in the mail. There was a lot of people that were surprised and excited about that. Um, And that was neat to see. Secondly, we provided loan modifications for churches that had taken loans and and were needing to kind of reorganize some things. And and then thirdly, we joined with the U.S. Conference in establishing the USMB COVID Relief Fund. And we contributed about $350,000. Others contributed as well. And now there's been around $517,000 that has come into that fund 
From that fund, churches have applied that need just a little boost or encouragement, and about 53 churches have received some of those funds already. And so if some of you still want to contribute, uh, you can check with me or go on our website and uh, click um, donate, and it'll take you to a page, or uh, uh, churches can uh, contribute or individuals as well. Another response is that we've uh, adjusted by doing um, webinars. Uh, and that's uh, a new experience for us, and uh, we've done that, and uh, it's, it's exciting to think about new ways of connecting with people and sharing uh, ways that we can come alongside of them and help them. And those list of webinars can be found even on our website under news and resources. Uh, you can see what we've been doing in that regard. During this time, we continue to provide loans to churches. And um, I just may identify several of those that are recent loans in the last year or so or in the last several months. Uh, Bethlehem Church in Los Angeles, California. Um, they're a church that ministers primarily to the immigrants of Korea. And they had uh, had a, a commercial loan, and they came to us and wanted to refinance, refinance that loan. We were able to refinance it for them and actually save them $5,000 a month. And now they're using that money that they would have been spending toward their loan, and they're sending it to some of their missionaries that they have in other parts of the world. We also help out and loan money to some uh, non-MB churches. We have loaned uh, to People's Church in Fresno. They're um, building a new addition, a parking lot, a kids' ministry wing, and renovation, a very large project there. And most recently, we made a loan to... Uh, um, Mission MB Church in Mission, Texas. It's one of the first loans to one of the Lamb Conference churches in a number of years. You see a picture here. Uh, they're, they're building a worship center, and it was so hot that they poured at 3 in the morning. Uh, that's also when they could get the cement trucks there, and we were able to help out and give them a load. Some of you, uh, if you are interested in knowing how you can be a part of uh, helping other churches and pastors receive loans. And one of the things that we do is that you can uh, also invest with us. We have a special going on now, and that is a one-year certificate for 2.4% interest and some information on the back uh, if you have interest in that. During this time, it's also been interesting. Sometimes we get the question of, well, are people still generous I think God is continually working in people's lives, taking hold of real life by being generous, and we continue to help in that regard in a number of ways with uh, present gifts and also legacy gifts. Recently, there was a farmer that uh, I worked with from Kansas who opened an account with us to disperse uh, his funds that had come from donating corn, uh, and he donated about 3,000 bushels of corn, and uh, they will eventually be turned, it's turned to cash and we'll be sending out the checks to the organizations he wants to support. There's also a, a businessman in, in Kansas, in a larger town in Kansas, who uh, donated a, a rental house to us. Uh, we in turn sold it and uh, now he wanted the money to go to capital campaign in his local church and so that money is uh, being sent there. We also have people that continue to give and in their estate plans, uh, making plans for legacy gifts, and we're able to help that. So uh, it's exciting to see even times of, you might say, uncertainty, uh, God continues to nudge people to be generous in various different ways. Also want to mention that we're celebrating our 30th year as uh, officially as MB Foundation as a nonprofit 
organization when we became incorporated. Of course, we've been uh, involved in ministry for over 140 years. Part of that is that we've written a book. I didn't write it, but uh, we had several people put it together, taking hold of real life. It's uh, just a historical perspective on how God has worked in the ministry. There's free copies. There's several here. And then on the back, take one and read it. There's also a story from Henderson in that book. So you want to read that. It's a story about Franz Wiens. How many of you have heard the story of Franz Wiens? Some of you do. Some of you have some connections with him. In 1904, he donated land to the conference. And he wanted to be that established so funds could continually go on uh, to serve and to help in kingdom work throughout the, uh, in the MB conference. And we are stewards of that land now. Several in your congregation are farming that land. Just understand that it's all harvested. Uh, and so over the years, thousands of dollars have continued to go uh, to God's work, and we're, we're thankful for that. And so it's a neat, neat story of how God has used people from this congregation to continue to spread God's word. And then as we look into the future, we make several commitments to you uh, as your organization. We want to continue to strengthen the local church. We also want to continue to enhance our services to you. And by doing that, we've also hired uh, uh, several individuals to work in, in new areas. Um, and uh, you'll be getting more information about that. So uh, we continue to want to serve you in an effective way. And we have a commitment to continue to anchor uh, our faith, to be anchored to our faith that gives us direction as your ministry, uh, seeking to encourage generosity in so many ways. So thanks for your involvement. Many of you are involved in different ways, and we thank you for that. And if there's other things that various ones of you may want to know about, be glad to visit with you. Um, and there's some information on the back table, too. Well, let me just have a word of prayer, and then I want to transition uh, to the message uh, for this morning uh, in just a moment. Lord, I want to thank you for this congregation. I want to thank you for their dedication to kingdom work. I want to thank you for how you continue to work and to move. We thank you for how you are uh, communicating hope to this community, through this church, through the leaders, through the people that are involved. Lord, may this time that we have together be meaningful, be with those that are listening and observing online, that you would guide and direct them. And may we all, during this time, also learn the value of continually saying yes and continually being a part of your ministry. Uh, we ask this in your name. Amen. Well, it was the summer of 1966. Some of you remember that, some of you don't. <laughs> And, and I was a young boy of fifth grade sitting in a Bible school class in Ulysses, Kansas, in the Ulysses Mennonite Brethren Church. Just had come in from playing a rousing game of softball. And now to be seated and to be settled and now to listen to a story was going to be a hard stretch. Uh, but the teacher did a good job. Helen Clausen was her name. Remember, we were down in the basement. She got our attention of a room full of fourth and fifth graders. And, and she began to tell a story. It, it was a story I'd never heard of before from Scripture. And it's a story that God used at that point in my young life. It's a story that has continued to impact me at intersections of life, reevaluating my life, and for me to once again come back and saying, Yes, Lord, I'm in. I, I want to serve you. And, and I would hope this morning as we look at this text 
that maybe we can see it from a new vantage point. Maybe we can hear something we haven't heard before. And most of all, we could also again say, yes, Lord, uh, I'm in. And if we've maybe been saying no, maybe it's an opportunity to re-up and to say, Lord, it's a yes. And, and I say yes. If you have your text this morning, I'd invite you to turn to uh, Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6, 1 through 8. And uh, here is the story, even as I heard it some years ago. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I'm ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had given, uh, taken with the tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. Isaiah, who lived in the 8th century B.C., begins this text with a sobering statement. The king of Judah, King Uzziah, had died. And as a result of that, there was a sense of despair, there was, a, there was chaos, there was a disruption. There were a lot of questions that were being raised at that particular time. People were disillusioned. They wondered what would happen now wondered whether their enemies would swoop down upon them and uh, do something to them, destroy them, uh, take over their land, and do all kinds of tough things to them. What would happen to their families? What would happen to their livelihood? A fear began to grip that community, a community that was located in the, the, the southern part of Israel, separated from the northern part, and a community that had begun to make a name for itself, and they wondered if all that was going to change. Isaiah was a prophet. Isaiah, as a prophet, spoke for God, and he spoke to people the words of God. So naturally, who do you think got questions? God's rep, Isaiah. And I can imagine what some of those questions were. So, Isaiah, what's the deal? We're God's chosen people. What's this all about? Because they had placed their confidence in their King Uzziah, and overall he'd been doing a pretty good job. And so they wondered, what's happening? What's going on? Aren't we the people that God's promised to be with? Now you have to remember that Uzziah was not just any old king. who uh, He had some longevity. You see, Uzziah came into royalty at the age of 16. Now, how many of you can envision yourself as a king at age 16? How many would want to be a king at age 16? Maybe for a day, you know. Uh, maybe you'd say, hey, that'd be kind of neat. 
At 16, I could say I was a king. But he was a king for 52 years. And for many of those years, he was seen as a just and a righteous king who focused on God and honored him. It says in 2 Chronicles 26.4 that he did what was right in the sight of God. He helped develop their economy. He helped develop their military strength. He set Judah apart and, again, were kind of na- making a name for themselves. Families had grown up with him as their leader. That's all they knew. It's the only king they'd ever had. However, there was a sad day that came in his history. In 2 Chronicles 26, 16, it says he became powerful. His pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Now, you have to realize, even though he was a king, there were certain things that you still couldn't do, even in the temple. And one of those things was that the offering of incense uh, as they had sacrifices was only something a priest could do as God's represented in that holy place. But King Uzziah was king, so hey, why not? Maybe the priests were a little late. Maybe he had an appointment to go to. So he took the initiative and he began to offer incense. And the priest on duty said, no, 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 stop. Don't do that. And he diminished that. And something unique happened, and it said it was at that moment that leprosy broke out on his forehead. And then it goes on in Second Chronicles 26, 21, and it says that King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. He lived in a separate house, leprous, excluded from the temple of the Lord, and Jothan, his son, had charge of the palace and governed the people of the land. A king who had a strong start ended up having a weak finish. Something that I'm sure also added to the people's disillusionment. As you've also sometimes been disillusioned when someone that you've admired, someone that's led the charge, maybe in, uh, in the religious circles or some other area, has a, a, a moral glitch or something that happens, and all at once it adds to your d- disillusionment. And then on top of that, King Uzziah dies. Some of you may remember back to November 22nd, 1963. Anyone have a clue what that was? John F. Kennedy was shot, wasn't he? Some of you remember where you were and what you were doing. I was a second grader in uh, Ulysses Elementary School. Remember the flags at half-mast? Remember the teacher telling us that the president had been killed? I remember how it affected me as a young boy, and I went home... I, I mean, I, this is strange, but I, I sat down in the kitchen by our cat dish. We fed our cat in the kitchen there on the floor, and, and I cried. And my fear was that the commies were now coming. Cuba was going to invade the U.S. My dad was going to be taken off and to, to defend us because my hero was my dad, and he always was there. And now I knew that he was going to have to go. Well, think about September twenty. Oh, one. Where were you? Some of you remember, I was in Enid taking Nathan to Enid High, right at the intersection, got the word that a plane had flown into the trade towers, thought, oh, a little Cessna probably flew in and a little problem, you know, no, major problem. 
And how many of us had our world rocked a little bit? Had some concerns and fears and issues that came to mind about how frail we are, how vulnerable we are. Fast forward to the present. I think we could all say that since March of this year, this world has had some chaos, there's been some disillusionment, there's been fear, and there's been anxiety. And it could be right now that if you could envision in your life, on your gauges, there, there's this indicator and it's called fear gauge. You know, do you have one? You know, and it could be that right now it's kind of moving toward the red zone, especially as there's a lot of turmoil even in our society and we're just kind of hanging on and thinking, what's going on? What's going to take place? And, and there's a tendency when we deal with fear and disillusionment that we pull back, that we hunker down and we say, I'm just going to kind of hunker in and especially when we go into quarantines and all that type of stuff, and I'm just going to stick to myself. I'm not going to connect with anyone. I'm not going to do anything. God, I'm just putting things on hold. And we withdraw. Well, there's some fundamental truths in this text that I'd like to underscore today that can kind of help us to kind of reframe some things. And, and first of all, one of the foundational truths we learned from this text, and you can follow in your outline. You can, uh, there's an outline there. Um, I don't know if it made it in the bulletin or not. Is it there? It's there. Okay, we got it. Okay. Um, one of the foundational truths we learned from this text is that God shows up in the midst of chaos and crisis. He shows up. He doesn't back away. He doesn't become timid to make himself known. And he's there if we just look for him. Where have you seen God in crisis? He's there. Now, for Isaiah, he encountered God in the temple. How it happened, I'm not for certain. It could have been that as he got the news, he knew he had to make a beeline for the temple. He just felt, that's where I need to be. And he ran to the temple and boy, God showed up. Let me ask, when our world has been shaken, where do we go? Where do we find God? You know, God shows up in so many different ways. It's interesting. It could be that you're reading a verse, or maybe there's certain verses that you have in mind, and when trouble hits, you go to that verse. Isaiah 46, 10 is a popular one of mine, and it's just, be still, know that I'm God. Just be still. Just be still, be quiet, recognize I am still God. And no doubt all of us have some of those reference points that, that we go to. Man, keep them on the radar. God has them there for you. It could be that you're traveling down I-80 and all at once a song comes on the radio and in that moment you know that song's for you. And every time you hear that song, from that point on, you go back to that time on I-80 where you heard that song, and God speaks truth through that song. Could be that a friend stops by and checks in, and, and you know that God, God is with you. It's happened to me so many times, and I think even here when we served in, in Henderson, there was one day when I was in the office, just kind of right down at the bottom of the stairs, and for whatever reason, it was not a good day. Uh, you know, pastors have those days. I mean, generally, they were pretty good here. <laughs> but there were a couple that, that didn't go as I'd thought. 
And I remember uh, sitting there and thinking, God, I just kind of feel alone. Kind of be nice if someone came by. Lo and behold, on a cold winter day, who showed up? Lee Jost. Just coming home from coffee, didn't know he was on a God mission. Uh, stopped in just to check in with his pastor. Wow, after he left, I, I just said, God, thanks. Thanks for just kind of listening and, and uh, having people show up. It could be that maybe a message uh, has spoken to you in some way. Just you were at the right intersection at the right time and, and God just used it and spoke volumes to you. It tells me again that one of the qualities of God is that he indeed is God with us, even as Emmanuel, one of Christ's names, is God with us. As part of the Trinity, God with us. He's with us in all situations. Remember that God is not intimidated by crisis or chaos, but in such moments he shows up and we simply need to look for him and realize he is there. Now, not only did God show up in the midst of chaos, but he shows up in a mighty display of power and might. Totally took Isaiah's breath away. Just wow. I don't know if any of you have had any experiences like this, but this would be one to write home about. Okay? Well, here in verse 1 through 4, it's as if God Almighty pulls back the curtains of heaven and allows Isaiah to just kind of peek in and see what's going on. And this provides him with some assurance and perspective. And, and he sees a vision of God as a God of order, a, a, a sovereign God, ruling over the affairs of the earth. It, it's this same God, though, that's working today. And if we could pull back the, the windows of heaven and take a peek, we'd see this going on as well. A tremendous experience of power and might he saw God enthroned and sitting. Sitting identifies that he's, not, he's in control. He's not frantically wonder, wandering around, wondering, what am I going to do next? But he's in control. He was not uh, frustrated by the situations going on. His glory is out of this world. He's encircled with the highest heavenly beams, the seraphims, or the burning ones, bright as sun. But these angelic beings themselves covered their face because of the brightness, even though they're bright, but they covered their, their faces with wings to show reverence. And then there's activity. They're continually flying around, showing continual activity and serving and eagerness to serve. He also hears them singing antiphily. Maybe the song we sang a little bit ago, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. They speak and sing of the vastness of his might. Think of some of the most beautiful sights you've ever saw, seen. I remember standing on the rim of the Grand Canyon some years ago. As a guy in western Kansas, we'd seen some gullies and some creeks, but they were usually dry. Uh, but standing there on this rim, I go, wow. God just took his finger and whoop. And man, this great expanse is there. I remember several years ago, Diane and I were celebrating one of our anniversaries, went up to the Tetons. How many have been to the Tetons? You've got to go there. If you haven't, it's, if it's not on your bucket list, put it there. And we stood there, and I mean, we drove in, and we look up, and it's like, wow. 
I mean, these mountains just jut up out of the plains. And it's just, just breathtaking. I remember the birth of our kids. Nathan in Fresno and Heidi in Oklahoma. And in the delivery room that when they were born, it's like it's a holy experience. I remember when Heidi was born, for some reason, I, we, in that day we didn't want to know, boy or girl, okay? I understand there's a tide turning that now some don't want to know. So, you know, it just kind of comes and goes. And so, anyway, I was, uh, you know, we were in the, in the delivery room. I wasn't delivering, Diane was. But um, all at once, you know, and I pulled her out. It's a girl! That's about what I said. And uh, I, I just couldn't believe it. And, and, and it was just, just a holy moment. It was a moment of just seeing God and, and just seeing, wow, this is amazing. A, a little being coming into the world like this. God, you are awesome. So think of the most majestic thing you've ever experienced. And it is this small in comparison to the mighty and to the awesome God that we serve and who is working and moving in our society and our world. Today, we need to just pause sometimes, be still and know that God is God, and allow him to just reveal himself to us to regain perspective. Now, something happened to Isaiah as he saw this divine uh, display of power. He felt pretty little, pretty small, pretty insignificant. Uh, he felt unworthy. He felt sinful. And he cried out in verse 5, Woe is me, I am ruined. I, I am a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. And now I've seen the King of kings and Lord of lords. He was grasping the power of God and he realized just, man, I am so small. Lord, how can I ever do anything? I am done. Yet, in the midst of his brokenness, in the midst of all this, there's another foundational truth that we see here. And that is that in the midst of our brokenness, our humility, and the chaos of the world, God shows up and calls for our personal involvement. He calls for our personal involvement. Think of it. Small as we are, insignificant as we may seem, God says, I, I need you. I want you. In 2 Chronicles 16.9, it states, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. It's as if he's intentionally looking, Hey, who, who's with me? Who's with me? I'm looking. Oh, there's one. There's one. There's one. And he invites us to participate in what he's doing. And he strengthens us. It says he's looking for people. He wants to strengthen us so we can be involved in his mission. What a privilege. What an honor. Think about the Almighty God inviting us to join with him in what he's doing. Even in the moments of crisis. Even in the midst of COVID and turbulent times, he still calls people like you and like me to be involved in some aspect of kingdom work. It appears that Isaiah the prophet had been serving in some capacity. He'd already been doing his job. But all at once because of this, he goes, man, I'm done. <laughs> I just am done. And yet God said, no, no, no. I've got better things for you. I, I need you. Isaiah, please, will you not join me? And he sends an invitation. 
And somehow through that invitation, as Isaiah grappled with the call, grappled with what he saw, he said, okay, Lord, I'm done. I'm in. I'll go another round. I'm here for you. And he signs up again. How many of us have kind of come to those junctures where we say we're done, you know? And yet God appears to us in some fashion and we get a rejuvenation. We say, Lord, I'll go another round. I'm with you. And that's what Isaiah said. Think of how God has always been in the business of calling people. That's what he is. That's a characteristic. That's a quality of God. He likes to do mission with other people, even though he wouldn't need us. And think of some of the examples. Uh, Think back to the Old Testament. In Genesis, Moses, 80 years of age, I'm done. Has has quite an experience with a burning bush, and all at once he's back in. Um, Think of Joshua. Joshua, too, uh, had served for a number of years, and all at once God calls him, and uh, Joshua was trembling in fear in Joshua 1.9. He says, be strong, courageous, for the Lord your God is with you. And so he was in. Think about Gideon, a farmer that was thrashing wheat in a hollowed hiding place because he was fearful of all of his enemies. And God shows up, an angel of the Lord said, hey, what are you doing here? Man of valor. I'm no man of valor. You've got to be kidding. He says, hey, I need you, and I'll strengthen you, and I need you in my kingdom work. And Gideon said, yes, I'm in. Think about some New Testament examples. Think about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus had a glimpse of Christ, and, and he said yes. He said, I am in. I am going to give back. I'm going to give four times to, to people. I'm going to give, first he said, I'm going to give half of my, my goods that I've accumulated to others. And then if I've offended anyone, I'm going to go back and I'm going to give them four times of what I, I took from them. Can you imagine their responses when he knocked on the door and he said, hey, you know, here's four times what, what you paid me. And they go, what? God definitely got a hold of him. But in the same way, we see examples in the New Testament of people who said no. Think about the rich young ruler and think about he was fascinated with Jesus. He kind of wanted to be in on the action and he said, what must I do? And Jesus clarified the standard and said, hey, I'm, I'm welcome you to come on in, but here's some things you're going to have to do. And he said no. And, and I sometimes wonder what people would have been influenced by this rich young ruler if he would have said yes. And I have to also wonder... Who are some of the people that maybe we've missed opportunity with when we've said no instead of saying yes when God's called us? We said the cost is too great, and we've said no. You know, there's this battle that goes on all the time, isn't it, between yes and no. Uh, And even when the world is in chaos, we're dealing with, do I say yes to Jesus? Do I say no? No, I'm just fearful. I'm going to stick with myself. And it's interesting that this whole issue of saying yes and no isn't a new deal, right? I mean, how many of us have dealt with that with our kids, right? Is that, or is it just me? Uh, What about grandkids? Any problems with grandkids? Well, I had to get this in, right? Okay, so here's a picture of Bella. She's our granddaughter. Uh, You knew I was going to do this some way, but I had to. Um, so, would you, would you think that Bella would only say yes? 
I mean, that picture, we'd probably say, that's the only word she knows, right? But let me tell you, she, she also knows no. And, and she does it in physical ways also. And so her parents and her grandparents are working on her in inviting her also to say yes. <laughs> yes, I'll eat my peas. Yes, I'll sit in the high chair. Uh, yes, uh, we'll cooperate now and not be obstinate. Um, you know, it, it happens to all of us. There's this inborn issue called um, carnality that kind of just comes out. And we say no, no. But God doesn't give up, just like a parent doesn't give up or a grandparent give up. He continues to issue those invitations to say yes. So some contemporary examples of people who have said yes. You can think of some in your life, but um, who are those? Let me just identify some people who said yes. People who have taken a risk and said, regardless of a cost, I'm going to follow Jesus. Regardless of this, I'm going to give of my resources. Because of this, I'm going to give of my, my talents. So think of some people. I already mentioned one. Franz Wings, referenced here earlier, a farmer here in Henderson. Outlived three wives, had a number of children, and when he retired, he said, I want to give some land so that the gospel can continue in some way um, through our conference ministry. And so he gave an 80 acres, and then he gave several more. And think about over the years as the income off of that has continued to be generated, how many lives have been touched in some way through uh, our conference because of what he's done years ago? I think of another individual, a member of this congregation, who said yes to the Lord um, and each of us are benefiting today. Uh, she's now in glory, but was active in our congregation some 24 years ago. It was around 1996 we were building the fellowship hall. Many of you remember uh, that going up, the energy and the excitement about that. <clears throat> Got a check in the mail from a single lady, lived very uh, frugally, and it was $10,000. And when I got that check, I did a little pause because I said, you know, we could probably anticipate maybe a $100 check, maybe a $1,000 check, but a $10,000 check? you got to be kidding. So what did I do as a pastor? I called for help. I called the moderator. I said, we got a good problem here. Uh, we, gave some, we have someone who gave $10,000. I think they did anyway, but maybe it's a mistake. He said, well, you better go find out. <laughs> So I called her and I said, could I come over, went to her one-bedroom apartment, and it didn't take me long to realize it was a yes. <laughs> yes, I want to be involved. I have never been much for activities, but if it can bring young boys and girls to Jesus Christ through a building like that, I'm in. That was a holy moment. That was a, a cherished moment. And she, along with many of you, um, participated and today um, because of that facility lives are being impacted in various different ways um, can also think of others in the congregation who have done various different things and impacted the congregation I'm going to get kind of personal I didn't ask her permission on this but I'm going to go ahead and take a risk we have a teacher in our midst who has served young kids for years because of her service, our two kids 
still reference that Sunday school experience because of the foundation that was laid and the love she shared and the inspiration she brought to those, those stories. Laverna, thank you. Thank you for serving. Thank you for sharing because what you have been involved with has impacted lives for eternity. And we say thank you. And many parents here today say thank you too because of what you've done and you've said yes. Several years ago, Lud and Julie Holm, who some of you may know, and they've given permission to share their story, and uh, you're on South Dakota, uh, said yes to the Lord as well. Stories found in uh, some of the stories in our, in our MB Foundation uh, history book. Um, the, the Christian school that they were a part of in uh, James Valley, or in Huron, James Valley Christian School, was having a building program, building a new auditorium and a practice gym. And they had just thought, well, maybe we'll give, I think the project was between four and five million, and they said, well, maybe give 100,000. Yet one day, as Lud drove by one of his quarters of land, he says, the Lord said, Lud, you need to donate that whole quarter to the James Valley Building Committee, or, or the building program. He said, I'd never heard God speak so clear in my life. And so he did. He and Julie donated it, and we, as a foundation, helped him coordinate the plan. And, and, and today, because of his gift and many others, they have a new facility that is being used for God's honor and for God's glory. And he said yes. Uh, he said, I've never had so much joy in my life. This past Friday, I met with another couple who is going to be receiving some uh, resources from an inheritance uh, from her side of the family. And um, they're wrestling with, well, how much should we invest uh, and how much should we donate to kingdom work? And so they're wrestling with this yes issue and where they come out. So it'll be exciting to just see how God works and moves in their life as, as they process uh, saying yes in various different ways. You know, as I look back at my life uh, from that VBS experience, um, I've been, I thank God for the yeses I've said. I've also said some no's. I regret those. But, you know, at that point, I'd received Christ as my Savior. I think it was around four years of age when I said the beginning yes, and and then there were other yeses, and I would say that fifth grade experience was another monumental yes of just saying, yes, I'm, God, I'm, I'm a kid, I don't know what that means, but I'm just saying yes. And, and then he's tested that yes, that yes at various other junctures. I know when my dad died, I just started as associate pastor in Fairview, Oklahoma. Um, dad was 62 years of age and uh, doing well, farming, even in the 80s. As the only son had an opportunity to come by and take, come back and take over the farm, could have been a great move. And, and in many cases, it would have been a good move. But for me at that point, that I don't think was what God had in mind. And I was wrestling, and I said no to that, and I said, yes, Lord, I'll stay where I'm at. And I've never regretted Never regretted that. When you as a church called us, <clears throat> we were 30 years of age. Man, we were young. <laughs> I don't know what you were thinking, but thanks. <laughs> thanks for taking a risk. And, and I remember after we candidated here, um, we were struggling. Do we say yes? Do we say no? And, 
And uh, so we'd had a, a full, all of you have been very kind that we're here, you know, so that was nice. Uh, but we were walking right south of the church, and, and do we say yes? Do we say no? If they Oh, they probably will vote no. But maybe if they say yes, well, then should we come? Somehow you voted, and, and we said yes, and uh, we never regretted it. Uh, a significant yes, and we thank God for that, and we thank you for pouring yourself into our lives. Well, some nine years ago, we sensed that God was nudging us out of the ministry that we had in Enid for 15 years and to another journey, another opportunity of being a plan-giving advisor with MB Foundation, of working with people and thinking about being charitable while they're living and charitable at their death. And and I, I remember again God's hand on my life and kind of that struggle, yes, no, yes, no, <laughs> made my list, I'm a list person, yes, no, oh, okay, a little bit more yes today, oh, tomorrow a little bit more no, uh, you know, and you go back and forth, and finally I just said yes, and again, thank God, and um, never regretted that. Four years ago, my mother passed away. Prior to her passing, Diane and I had talked about, well, if we had added funds sometime, Think of the things we'd like to invest in. I mean, kingdom things we'd like to invest in. And we kind of made our list, and we said, here's some things we'd like to do. Mother passed away, and we received some inheritance. And so now we were tested. (laughs) What do we do? Do we do with our list of some of the things we wanted to do, or do we keep it all for ourselves? And so we've worked, been working through it and still working through those choices, but have sought to hold to some of the things we decided earlier and saying if we would receive funds what would we do and it's been exciting to be able to just invest in in different ministries and see God at work and to continually say yes in various ways this morning what about you Um, I'd invite you to think back to those God encounters that maybe all of us have had Think back to times when you've said yes. Think back to how that yes has maybe motivated you to continue to say yes even more. Also remember that those can be exciting times. Sometimes we've said no. No, God, it's not right. It's not time. I don't want to. There's too much chaos. There's too much stuff. God, the answer is no. But yet this morning, maybe God is saying, maybe it's time to say yes. And so if you've been living with more no's than yes's, today's a day to change that and to say yes. Yes, Lord, I give you my time. I give you my talent. I give you my resources. uh, I give you my family. I entrust things to you. And and I just want to say yes. So this morning, what is God calling you to say yes to? And so in the quietness of your heart, I want you just to allow God Almighty, the great God of all creation, to just put his finger on that and to say yes. Maybe it's a first-time yes. Maybe there's some of us here that have never made that ultimate commitment to Christ and said 
Yes, Lord, I receive you into my life. I confess my sins. I acknowledge you. I want you to be Lord of my life. Maybe that's a yes that God's putting his finger on and saying, I really would like you to say yes today. Maybe, uh, maybe you've been saying no to some other things, and there's always that balance of how we navigate that. But in your heart today, maybe there's an area where God's been putting his finger and you've been resisting and it's it's time that we just say yes so I want to just pause for a moment and give us an opportunity to do some holy work and um, just come before God and ask him what area he wants you to say yes to Sometimes when we process things, it's helpful if we just kind of identify in some visual way before us and God our inner commitment. And sometimes just a, an outstretched hand is, is helpful. And if some of you would feel that would be helpful in saying, today I just, I'm just saying yes, God. And maybe it's not even to a specific thing. It's just an attitudinal aspect of saying, saying a yes. I'm going to be a yes person instead of a no person, and it'd be helpful just to raise your hand. If there's those that do that, and I'll just keep you in our prayers, feel free to slip up your hand, and we'll keep you in our prayer. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Lord, for those who've just in their own heart of hearts said yes and some of us have uh, just said yes maybe not raised our hand but we're, we're acknowledging that Lord we, we want your work in, in, in our life uh, we want to be like the prophet Isaiah who in the midst of chaos in the midst of challenge uh, he just said I'm going to say yes and you strengthened him and you used him in a mighty way continue to help us to be yes people Thank you for this time together. Thank you for how you work. Forgive us where we fail and help us to once again lean heavily upon you to receive that strength that you give us when we do say yes in your name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon. We hope you were enriched and encouraged. If you have any questions about Christ or church or would like more information, visit our website at livinghopehenderson.com or email me directly at luke at livinghopehenderson.com. We hope you have a fantastic week. Take care and God bless.